A lot of us have followed the work of Lori Siegel in The New Yorker over the years. She's now 95 years old, and her latest collection of short stories, Ladies' Lunch, brings us this national treasure still in excellent form, weaving clear-eyed stories about friendships, family, and aging. This is Book Public from Texas Public Radio. I'm Yvette Benavides. There is no doubt that Lori Siegel is at the top of her game in this collection of 16 stories. Many of the stories in the collection feature a group of friends who have lunched together for four decades. In their older age, they cling by a finger grip to old routines while dodging life's vagaries. Fans of Lori Siegel may know her incredible story about fleeing Nazi-occupied Vienna on the Kindertransport, living with other sponsor families before reuniting at last with her parents. She married and became a single mother after the death of her husband. She's spent most of her life in New York City. She lives there still today in the same apartment, penning her stories full of wisdom and wry observations. I talked to Lori Siegel about her latest story collection, Ladies' Lunch. Here's our conversation. I want to know first, because I know you write, from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. I did my research. I want to know, did you write today? I wrote today. Well, write, writing doesn't mean writing anything new. It, might, it means taking either writing something or taking something that I've written before, and that is really what mostly happens, and just tweaking it, going back, changing commas to periods and periods to commas, and taking out a word and putting it back. Yes. I'm a, I'm a per- perennial re- writer that's are you a perfectionist uh you can say that but it's not so much a perfectionist i'm still looking for what i was looking for when i started and i it doesn't get there sometimes it takes it takes weeks years and i'm still correcting i have been known to be correcting something that's already published oh yes (laughs) <laughs> something occurs to me that could be said better. I have no compunction. I take a pencil and I correct. I write it over. I write it, do it over. <laughs> what does it mean to you to have these particular stories in Ladies' Lunch now compiled as one collection? What does that mean to you? It's it's wonderful. It's 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 they they have been. I had no idea that they were going to become anything except. As I, as I was writing them with this one and that one, and then there was another one and there's another one. And to tell you the truth, I'm still writing them. But to see them all collected, I think I think it's a nice it's a nice collection. It, it, it's a satisfying collection. It is that for readers too, I have to say now the ladies in your stories, we come to know them and a little bit about their backgrounds. Are they based on friends of yours? I know you write about, I know you write stories that are based very much on elements of your real life. Where did these? They are. They are. But I, when include, but I am. I call myself, and and I know why I call myself a novelist. I'm not, as I insist, a historian or journalist. I give myself the option to change whatever would make, in my understanding, the a better story, a truer story. I'm not. Uh, hindered or hampered or held back by facts. So all these people that include myself are the the ones who we are, but much changed. 
it's not only I'm, our names are changed. I allow myself to go wherever I choose to go. I like this idea that it's that it, you have a truth to share about humanity, about situations, about life, and you're not hindered by labels or containers or what we call things. You you are after telling a true story. Uh, not a truth, but lots of truths. A little truth here, a little truth there, as I see it. Yes, that is that's what I have in mind. I think of fiction as the truest truth. I think of I think of fiction stories as being able to hold the truest sorts of truths for for readers. You and I agree, but not everybody agrees with us about this. But let's let's you and I agree about that. Okay. <laughs> now, is there any one character here that you most relate to? As a sort of an alter ego? Uh, not particularly. As I'm writing them, they 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 become the ones that, I, that I'm most interested in. I, I don't think there's one who is myself. No, I wouldn't say that. The, one, the only one uh, who, who might represent that is the one called Bridget. But Bridget is an Irish girl. However, she's a writer. So... Yeah. I have an Irish daughter-in-law, so. Oh. Uh, but uh, the, as a writer, Bridget would represent me in in in, in one sense, in that sense. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the characters and I kept thinking, oh, maybe Ilka. Ilka is so interesting oh, to me. Yes, of course, Ilka. Ilka is the uh, Ilka was taken from her first American. I, yes. I just supported her. Yes. Yes, so, that's true. Yeah, but but again, she was also a uh, an invention based certainly on um, on on parts of my life. Well, I love the story soft sculpture, and I'm wondering if there was a a, a soft sculpture, a, a turtle puppet in your in your own childhood. That's such a beautiful story. Not only that, but if I had thought of it, I would have brought my turtle, my soft sculpture turtle. Yeah, and showed it to you. Oh. I could go next door and get it, but that's it's it's a long way. <laughs> oh, I, oh! I should have brought my turtle. <laughs> oh, I would have loved to see it, but I have the story, and that's. But I will tell you that I do, in fact, have one of my one of my uh, my passwords is based not on a turtle, but on on my. My, the 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 a little bird I had as a child. Oh, is that right? Oh, bird name is one of the, my passwords. Oh, how lovely! <laughs> so that was that was how that came about. Oh, I love. I just I love that, like that story. I now, see. and the story pneumonia chronicles. Is this an actual situation? Oh, that is that is yeah yeah that is the one story that is uh, that is historical. I did that. That that I was taken from uh, uh, from my experience. Yes, I love that. Ultimately, you do. You did have sort of a spectrum of uh, sort of types of nurses based on how attentive they were, but ultimately you did connect with one who was very interested in Chekhov. Yes, yeah. I thought that was so beautiful. Interested in Chekhov and and uh, Dostoevsky and. I just found that so beautiful. He, we, we connect with each other because we are both passionate readers, and we, uh, we are in, 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 a, in some degree of, a, of, of email contact still. Oh, that's so beautiful. Do you think? So we're talking about ladies' lunch. 
there was some attention that emerged for me part of the time. Do you think it's harder to make and and keep friends as as we grow older? I I have found this to be the case myself. I have had that experience also. I had uh, one of the stories. I think is how how Betty lost how Lottie lost Betty is a story totally different characters of a friendship that is still working but not working as well as it did where the conversation is not as easy uh, as it used to be as inevitable as it used to be and it's uh, yeah that is true Uh, but but it's also true that friendships have survived have changed and also that I have made friends in my old age, new friends in my old age, good new friends in my old age, which has surprised me. Oh, I, that's so heartening to see the other side of it, that yes, it can be harder to keep them. And at the same time, yes, it's true. You do keep some for a very long time and there is still the possibility to make them. What are the main themes, the other themes that you when you sit at your desk to write that you think about exploring? What is I don't. That's not how it works. It doesn't how it works. The way I, I, they're not themes. I don't have themes. What I have is an experience and I think that's something I write about. Oh, that's interesting. That's, 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 that's what my life, I have met that in my life or have not met that in my life. I'm going to explore that. Mm Mm-hmm. Does it ever start with an image? Does it always start Not with... Not an image, but I will give you one example, which is a comical example. I fell down, and there was a moment when I said to myself, ah, I understood the moment when it was no longer possible to stand upright. And that moment really fascinated me. Ah, that, that I'm going to put that in the story. Oh, I love this... I, so it, that's the kind of thing that that I write about. It's not themes. It's all human experience, it seems to me. Yes, that's it. That's what it is. That's what I've heard. The, the experience. Uh, yeah. I feel like this is why humor emerges in your writing, too, because it's not just that life is absurd. Life is absurd, but that things happen and it is possible in very serious situations to to articulate a kind of humor also. Well, nothing is uh, classically comical. Falling down is 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 classically comical. It's one of the one of the jokes. That <laughs> 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 we are told not to laugh about. <laughs> but that's that's the kind of thing. Does New York City continue to influence? Oh, I, I love I love it dearly. Yes, it's my it's my uh, it's it's my recovered home. It's a home where I put down roots. It's not where my roots were, but that's where I put down roots. But New York, not West Side New York, not East Side New York. <laughs> <laughs> For a time, it was a village, of course. Mm-hmm. It was it was West Side New York. I lived for I mean I taught for fourteen years in Chicago and love Chicago, but it's not home. 
I teach writing and I'm hoping my students will listen to this interview. I wonder if you can talk about when you first knew you wanted to be a writer. I've I've heard you talk about this before and I'm just so taken with the types of things that you have said in interviews about becoming one, saying that you're one. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, the the story I tell. I mean, as you say, as, as you say, this is this is a this is an anecdote. Now, yeah. uh, I, I I was ten years old when I when when the Kinder Transport, the children's transport, brought me from Hitler's Austria, Hitler's Vienna to England, and my first uh, family was a Jewish family in Liverpool, the Cohens. In my in in my book, I think they're the Levines. Yes. But they were they were they were terrific. But they seemed to me to be asking questions that were showed that they clearly, obviously, for obvious reasons, did not know what was happening in Vienna. So uh, I got a, a copy. What what in England is called a copy book, and I remember it was a had a sort of a purple cover. It had a white label with a red uh, uh, band around it. And it had 36 pages, line pages, and I began to write what eventually covered this, the, 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 work, the, the experiences that later came out as other people's houses. But I, I did not know I was writing. I was answering I was wanting to explain to, to these, these people what it was like, by the way. That's one of the things one writes about what it was like. That's really, that's really, it's not why something happened or how something happened or what it means, but what it was like. And let the reader take it from there. That was the first experience at 10 years old. I was writing in, in German and my foster sister, Ruth, who has very recently died, I've been in contact with her ever since was only about, she must have been four or five years older than I, had it translated. And somewhere or other, that translation is in this in this apartment. But um, that was it for the moment. It wasn't about 12 years later when uh, we were, we were the, this was war now. My parents had come. My father was interned on the Isle of, uh, on the Isle of Man as a, as a German-speaking enemy alien, mm -hmm. uh, uh, war had been had been declared. Uh, my, my mother had to move from where she was working as a cook uh, because it was too close to the channel. And she came and picked me up where I was staying with a yet yet another foster family, and we went. We we traveled to Surrey, the, the town of Guildford, and for the moment. We had a little room while we were getting our, while we were figuring out what to do. And I was throwing up. And between bouts, I lay on a bed and my mother sat on the other bed and read me David Copperfield. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a writer. And that was when the word being a writer was the first. That's when the, the, I understood the, what it was to be a writer. I hadn't really figured that out before. I'd been sort of writing silly stories mm -hmm. in between that time, but between the, between my my other people's houses, it's mm -hmm. them. But being a writer came to me as a result of Dickens. 
or my mother reading me Dickens. I love this story. Well, I feel silly asking this question, but one reads about imposter syndrome among writers. I cannot imagine that you ever experienced anything like that, did you? What is it? What is imposter? I mean, I, I know what the word means, but how does how does that supposed to work? I think, mean- I think it's this idea that you're engaged in something and but then you feel insecure or diffident about being taking up that space you you don't feel you don't sort of own the idea that that you're a writer in this case a writer I see yes I yeah I have never thought about that no that's not what I experienced insecurity and have there's no no time when I've written something when I don't think this could, this is not right, this could be better. And that's why it keeps being uh, rewritten and tweaked mm-hmm. and edited for years to come, forever. Yes. Isn't it true that writers, as writers, if we're going to be writers, we have to work all the time. There are no breaks. There are no vacations. Not really. Do you believe this? I think that's so. I think so. I think one goes through the world as a writer. You look at the world. You 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 see things. You I, when I was a, one of the things that I wanted to be as a, as a as a teenager, as a younger woman, um, I thought I didn't know whether I was going to be a writer or a painter. And I remember sitting on the on the sub on the bus and going like this with my hands to frame something. Is this a, would this make a good picture? Would this make a good picture? Well, metaphorically speaking, that's what we do. As writers, does this is this does this is this a, is this something I can write about? Yes, it's always. Can I describe what this is like? Yes, and it might easily be. What is it like to feel, want to be a a, a a a painter and look like this? This would be one of easily one of the things that one might write about. Yes. Well, aging is one of the main subjects there are women of a certain age in these stories and in, in ladies lunch but the stories and the situations hey could we may I ask let's not call them a certain ages let's call them old people really oh yes yeah. yeah. oh, we're old we're old people thank you for saying that and i knew this about you are <laughs> not senior <laughs> citizens we are not in our golden age we are old people I did read this about you that you don't want you don't need the euphemisms you don't need yeah, but also we are not little old, you, you, I, one of the things I think this is against the, the notion the little little old how does little old ladies yes yeah we are not that no 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 we're just old we're old people we we're old people that's right that I like that so I'm gonna say the characters are are old they're presented they're old. in they're old women yeah. And this is it. You, so this can this adds to my line of questioning here. The old people are presented, and their their conflicts are presented. Their situations are presented in such clear and simple, straightforward ways. And the complexities of life come through. But I feel like your characters respond to them as if they're simple. Does that make sense? I mean, I, this it's just something I come away with from reading these stories. It's like they, I'm not sure the simple, but uh, 
every, it's everyday language. It's in everyday language. It's in, in a straightforward attack on these ideas. Yes. They're, they, nothing simple doesn't, I'm not sure that I can deal with the word simple because nothing seems simple to me. Even if you start with a simple idea, it gets complicated before you. Yes. Better than I did. Yes. I know what you mean. I think I know what you I know mean. what you're saying. I do know what you're saying. It, yeah, one takes one uh, one subject perhaps and 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 sees what's what's in it. One subject, for instance, that is not in 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 this in in this collection is the notion about of why do we want things to be tidy? Yes, it seems obvious that. Tidy tidiness is good, but the women sit around and they ask each other, "Why do we want? Why? Why, why is tidy good?" <laughs> that starts a conversation. <laughs> it's not simple, but but it's it, uh... it's not simple, but maybe it's just not weighed down by by complicating it. There's nothing to complicate it. It is it is what it is. I'm yes. not sure. I maybe I'm not saying it right, but it's something that, as I move through each story, I thought, "Ah, oh, this is it. This is." So I also feel like an o- older woman, and the experiences I've had for so many years, I feel like have set me up to be exactly who I am today, doing the kind of work that I'm doing now, and it now, as an older person, it feels like work that feels much more like a part of who I am than used to be the case. Hmm. And and maybe it is this feeling of if I'm falling down, I'm thinking about that moment versus sort of any other reaction to it. But I do feel, yes, as as an older woman, I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be in all of these things that I've experienced up to this point. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. Yes. Yeah. One knows, one knows, uh, one has a, one has a voice that knows how to express itself. You get started on a sentence and you know how to do it. Yes. You know where you're going. Yes. And also, um, maybe it's also about, I've been around long enough to know what I don't want to participate in or put up with or worry about or something like this. Oh, okay. Then you've done very, you're doing very well. (laughs) Well, not every day. I still worry sideways. (laughs) (laughs) So my favorite thing to read is the short story. What do you think the story form does really well that can draw readers in? I think you've answered this, but can we put a final... I think think I'm going to answer by saying what it is like. And from what it is like, you you move... That's not the end of the story. You say what it is like, and from that, you can do all your thinking and all your understanding and all your puzzling. I think that must be my answer. Laurie Siegel... Thank you so much. What a thrill. What an honor to get to talk to you today about Ladies' Lunch. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Lori Siegel is the author of Ladies' Lunch. It's published by Melville House. This has been Book Public from Texas Public Radio. 
Jacob Rosati composed our theme music. Dan Katz is Texas Public Radio's news director. Write to us at bookpublic at tpr.org. I'm Yvette Benavides.